411 Live. Well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. 411 Live. Welcome to the 411 Live Real People, Real Talk. I'm Beverly Taylor. We have embarked on a big project, doing multiple podcasts on human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking. And the other mission is to really bring awareness, spread the conversation about this issue, and also look at the effect of sex trafficking on its victims, the trauma that it causes. Well, today, we are focused more on that trauma aspect, and we have a really special, special guest with us. Our topic today, how trauma affects the brain, body, and human behavior. We have a lot to talk about. So uh, I invite you, well, you know, when you're, you're hearing us, things are coming into your head, you have comments, questions, or whatever, send, us, send them our way, because we uh, definitely... I want you to be a part of the conversation and be a part of this space. Uh, Joining me now, again, I say, a really special guest, Simone Kilgore. She is a trauma therapist, and believe me, she knows what she's talking about. Like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Now, you are going to break down in layman's terms so Beverly can understand Mm -hmm. uh, neurobiology of trauma. Mm -hmm. Big phrase. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So I always say, I don't want people to be afraid of the phrase. It's all about us, you, me, everyone. We all have our own nervous system. Um, And neurobiology is just the study of that, Mm -hmm. how the body is affected by whatever. But when you add on the word of of trauma, the neurobiology of trauma, it, it specifically means what happens in the brain into the body once someone has been affected by trauma. And I want to be clear because we've, we're focused on sex trafficking, human trafficking. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about trauma, that can be anything. Of course. You know, we've all had we've some all aspect had of trauma. We've all had some aspect from a loss of a family one, a pet, um, a car accident. Yeah. Um, loss of a limb, a finger, um, sexual violence, uh, domestic violence. Um just traumatic events. Mm-hmm. And so I always say I believe everyone has been affected by some type of traumatic event or events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about it as a kid, divorce. Yes. You know, when my parents got yeah. a divorce, mm-hmm. that was very traumatic very for traumatic. me. Very yeah. traumatic. And what do you do with all of those emotions? Right. Yeah. And then I realize at this age yes. that some of that from back there mm-hmm. – has affected me here. Sure. And now it's being the light bulb mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, let me go back, mm-hmm. make sure this little girl here is healed. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so this woman over here yes. will be okay. Absolutely. And without the connection, yeah, um, between what we're doing now and how our life and our past has affected us, we kind of roam around um unclear unknowingly damaged, Mm. unknowingly hurting others, unknowingly unable to manage our own emotions and human behavior. 
Once and a lot of times, yeah, helps. and a lot of times wondering, what, why did I say that? Why? Why am I mm-hmm. acting like, like or why this? do I feel overwhelmed yeah. when this happens? Yeah. We have to try to make the connection. And so the, the neurobiology of trauma is about understanding the connection. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you said the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So what 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 all is being affected here? Cellular, muscular, yeah. what? cellular, muscular, the flow of blood, mm. um, how your body and your cells remember. We have what we call cellular memory, and so it's often I describe it as um, if I smell something, it might remind me of the seventh grade lunchroom, or someone's walk might remind me of someone's walk, or a touch might remind me of a specific time I was touched inappropriately mm-hmm. or or nicely. You know, a grandma's hands right. might remind me of my grandmother's hands. So the connection of of what we remember and how we remember it is, is circuitry. It's wiring of the brain and the memory and the body. It's phenomenal. And the body is designed to keep the memory and hold it in a place, whether we recognize it or not, it's there. So we've got the 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 blood flow, mm-hmm. the muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? The the behavior, behavior, human behavior. Sure. So talking about your example of maybe childhood divorce and whatever you might have felt internally or your behaviors in that moment um, for survival, because mm-hmm. that's all it's about, right? Um, you may find yourself as an adult woman woman feeling some of those same emotional connections to something, but not be sure about why you feel what you feel. Yeah. It's a very connected way. Our body is brilliant. We are designed brilliantly. And if we just pay attention yeah. to the body. Um, and almost like call a thing a thing or get help when we lack understanding we all would be a lot healthier. That's true. Mm. That's true. Mm. Some people have a hard time mm. asking for help. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to uh, looking at that neurobiology and taking it from the lens of a sex trafficked uh, victim or survivor. Sure. What are some of the things that might be playing into that or happening to them? I can talk about that and the connection between the neurobiology. Um, The brain, again, is phenomenal. We store memories in a part of the brain called the hippocampus. Mm -hmm. And normal memories for all of us are stored. And they have characteristics like organization, time, date. Um, We recall. It's like a filing cabinet. Okay. And we can recall where to find normal memories. Your first birthday party or your first kiss or your parents' divorce. Um, There's parts of things that happen in the brain, in the hippocampus, when it's a traumatic event, that the memories aren't stored the same way. They're fragmented. They're mixed up. They're shielded and put away from us in a way that we can't find it. So it's like looking in a filing cabinet, and I know I put that there. Yeah, yeah. But I cannot find it. Or I'm looking through my organized memories my normal memories, and something pops up. Um, What happens for survivors of human trafficking, oftentimes, due to PTSD, Mm -hmm. 
due to trauma and pain is they have lots of disorganized memories and thoughts. Our hippocampus is connected to other parts of the brain, which um, connect us to our emotions, behavior, uh, flight, fight, or freeze, giving us information on what to do. So oftentimes survivors have fragmented, lost memories Mm -hmm. that are too painful to bring up. If they've been um, involved or affected by trauma beyond human trafficking, so maybe in childhood, maybe earlier than the trafficking began, they may have just been brought into an environment where every part of their life is fragmented and painful and feels disorganized, unable to connect. So it causes you to have human behavior that also looks like that. Fragmented, disorganized, Mm -hmm. not connected to anything. Um, And so it is absolutely overwhelming for survivors to process what it means to heal. What do you want me to do with that? How do I organize this? Where do I find it? Where do I start? Where do I start? Where do I start? And it's fearful. We're asking people to take a risk to heal, to right. trust that they can, to trust that the body is set up that way. You know, it's, it's funny, funny you would say that. I did a talk to a women's group not that long ago, and I was talking about sometimes you, you know, you're at this point, you need to go back because it, the past is ruling this. Yes. And you need to go back to revisit that past, Absolutely. to figure all of that that out. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I went through, you know, some things that have happened in my life mm-hmm. and, you know, what I had to do and how this 50-something-year-old mm-hmm. woman had to go back to this 12-year-old girl and talk to her. Mm-hmm. As this 50-something talking to the 12-year-old mm-hmm. and saying, it's, it wasn't your fault. Yes. Or, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I know it was painful. Mm-hmm. You know, just all those things mm-hmm. to help get me back. To where I need to be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I had that talk. After it was over, these ladies started coming to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember one lady who told me that what I said spoke to her. Sure. And she needed to go back mm-hmm. and revisit that, that, that young girl. Mm-hmm. But she said, Beverly, I, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Terrified. Terrifying. Terrifying. It's terrifying. So this thing is real. It is real. It feels heavier than anything you've ever carried before. Yeah. Asking people, I was just saying to a friend the other day, um, we so casually say, um, you need to go get it together. Mm -hmm. Or you need to heal. Or you need to get over it. We're so casual with it. That is so true. And I've heard that many times. It's not easy. And I don't take it casually. When people enter a space where I'm working as a a trauma therapist and trying to help them recognize that the body is phenomenal and that they're strong enough and that they have the supports and that they can heal, I have to understand as a clinician that it looks a certain way for them and a different way for me. And I'm okay with that difference. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with not knowing everything. I'm okay with not having to be the driver. So the first thing I say is you're the driver and I'm the passenger. Yeah, yeah. And what does that look like, you know? And knowing that along their journey, 
Um, it's going to be a lot of bumps and bruises, flat tires and running out of gas and the engine goes out. And we got to get that replaced and whatever it looks like. There mm -hmm. might be a pause. There might be people running away from it and coming back to it. It's really up to them. Yeah, It's not for the clinician to dictate. Um, it's not for family members to say, get over that, Beverly. It's not for neighbors to say, this is the way I did it. And you should try it right. too, that way. It's wonderful to get helpful, sound, loving advice, but then having the allowance to make your own choices mm -hmm. in the healing journey. Not all trauma survivors, not all human trafficking survivors can take the same route to heal. It's just, sometimes I'm asked, how do people heal? It's just the simplest question ever in their own way. Right. In their own way. Yeah. And then you have somebody you really love, you want to help them, mm -hmm. but their perception is not your perception. Mm -hmm. And they, you want what's best for them so badly, you just want to force it on them. Yeah. Because you love them. Yeah. And I get it. And so even explaining that to survivors is, you know, this person loves you so much, they want what's best for you. Um, what does that mean for you? Can you accept the love and still carve out your own way? It's a lot of work. It's a lot, tons of work. People leave sessions absolutely exhausted. I bet. Mentally and physically exhausted. As a therapist, I bet you do too. Oftentimes. <laughs> <laughs> Oftentimes, yes. Wow. Because mm -hmm. you've got, we're taking baby steps mm -hmm. in this process. Mm -hmm. It's a little step and mm -hmm. sometimes a half step. Mm -hmm. To yeah. get to it. There's definitely steps to what we call trauma recovery and in the way that we study it as clinicians. And um, even in those steps that we have, you know, found it to be uh, clinically efficient and validated and evidence-based in terms of research, it works. Mm -hmm. We know that there's variation even in that. Right. It looks different culturally. It looks different um, think in about terms that. of your yeah. gender, mm -hmm. your age, uh, your environment, where you live, where you return to. Are all the folks in your home and family also going through their own trauma? Probably. Is it a safe place to say I'm healing? Wow. It looks different for everybody every day. Do you ever run into it where um, somebody's trying to get in this healing process, but maybe somebody close to them really does, they don't want them to. Constantly. They don't want them to change. If I, if I risk healing, if Simone risks healing, I'm probably showing up differently. Yeah. Each and every time I get a new revelation or I learn a new safe coping skill or I learn a way of defending myself. So each time I could be showing up differently in the lives of those who love me and it's confusing for them. I've changed. But it's really about me coming more into myself, mm -hmm. learning more about who I am and my rights, what I want, right? what I don't want. Yeah. And I can verbalize that now. And uh, it's not always pretty for everybody else. I can see the problem where that per person in that healing process, they're growing, they're getting bolder, mm -hmm. 
and some folks around them are not used to that boldness. Yes. That's a problem. Yes. And really the boldness to me is is a shining moment. You yeah. know, I like to say delicious. It looks delicious on people. Mm-hmm. They look whole and healthier and it's almost like walking towards a, a, a what you know for, to use Dr. King's word, the promised land. Where am I, who do I want to be? Yeah. How do I walk into this and become again uh, quoting Michelle Obama's book on becoming. Do we want it for certain people, but not our loved ones? That's do not I fair. want it for Beverly and then I don't deserve it? Yeah. Because a lot of people feel that. That they don't deserve it? Oh, sure. They've been told that their whole life. And every example and every part of their life, especially uh, a survivor of trafficking. Yeah. So the work, early part of the work starts with them understanding their own strengths and that they are just as deserving as any other human created. Any other person on the planet, you are just as deserving. And so sometimes that's the first time they've ever heard that. And I imagine that sometimes that's the the hardest. It takes them longer to accept that. Sure. Oh, yeah, I'm important. Sure. Oh, yeah. As we say, you know, let's reference a time in your life um, when things were good. And sometimes people don't have a time in their life when things were good Mm. or better or easier or non-traumatic. We run into individuals that have never had that, ever. So the point of reference is where? Or I say, what, what would you desire if you could have? Anything you wanted, what would that be? What, what would, would it, it look, look like? like? And they say, I don't know. Mm. And then that's a homework assignment, and they come back, and they still don't know. Mm. Wow. Okay. We have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope that you are getting a lot from this, because I know I am. We're going to take a break and come back and continue this conversation You are listening to The 411 Live. Real people, real talk. We'll be right back. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now, here's your food for thought. Who's ever wanted to be a pimp? The sad truth is, a pimp is not all money and glamour. There's a cost. The cost of young men and women you steal from their homes, screaming children you take from their mothers, selling them off to go make money just so you can spend. Have you no shame? They are people. People you are forcing to do as you tell them where to go and who to lay with. As you sit and count your money, it's so sweet to you. The thought never crosses your mind. What if that was my child, my son, my daughter? You don't stop and think about them to you. They're a product, waiting to be bought and rented. You care little for them. You risk prison, risk death. Because of what? Money? You'd be killed for money. Shame, you would go to prison. Give your life away for money, not me. I'd rather give it for my family, protecting my kids from you. Who wants to be a pimp? Knowing all you must give up for money, would you still say yes? For more information, visit the411live.org. Parents, it's time we opened our eyes to a huge issue happening right in front of our faces here in Milwaukee. That issue is sex trafficking. We might think this would never happen to us or even our friends and family, but it's actually closer than you think. Traffickers are targeting our youth and finding people who seem vulnerable. They do this just to take the innocence they have away from them. Sex trafficking is a non-stop growing issue in Milwaukee, and that's why we need to come together and get educated about sex trafficking. Let's keep our family, friends, and youth safe in Milwaukee and open our eyes to the signs of sex trafficking. For more information, visit the411live.org. 
Welcome back to the 411 Live. I'm talking with Simone Kilgore, a trauma therapist, and we're talking about trauma and how it affects you on so many different levels. Um, let's just get right back into this, this conversation because when, when we talk about all these things in the neurobiology of trauma and how it affects the nervous system and the blood flow mm-hmm. and, you know, the whole thing, it's like it, that trauma rewires sure. what was there. Yeah. And instead of going this way, you got stuff going uh-huh. this uh-huh. way. Uh-huh. And a lot of times we don't understand it. Correct. And it, you know, it affects it, affects the the body. But we're talking about the mind mm-hmm. and the perceptions, mm-hmm. and the way you see this mm-hmm. is not how I see it, or mm-hmm. this other person see, or not even the way you used to see it. Exactly, it's all rewired. Exactly, this is so deep. It's too deep. <laughs> it's too deep. It's too deep. It's yeah. it's so when somebody comes in and they say, okay. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to change. I don't like this. I want to do that. Do you have to say, uh, slow your roll? <laughs> not, not so much in that way. Uh, I, you know, I think we are all, all clinicians would love an enthusiastic person that walks in the space and says, right. hey, I'm ready to heal. And that's really rare. Yeah. <laughs> Oftentimes yeah. people come because the wiring that you mentioned is enough to make them feel what we say, crazy. Mm-hmm. I feel unsettled. Nothing is going right. I can't keep a job. I can't gain weight. I can't lose weight. I can't sleep. I can't wake up. It's, mm. it's always an extreme yeah. of something that brings people into the world of counseling. It's a choice to say, I want to heal. Um, and so people come in encouraged, but not so not always so enthusiastic Mm -hmm. because what they've realized is, I think we talked before, getting to the point where you say I'm ready is turmoil in itself. So I understand the bravery that's walking in the room and the courage and the consideration it takes to get to the point where you say I'm ready. And so that's when I have an opportunity to explain that I'm ready with you. Yeah. Um, You're not alone. I support you fully. Uh, I'm not an expert on you, and nor do I pretend to be. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about the field of psychology and trauma and the effects of trauma on the brain, the body. But you are your own expert. And so together we come together to figure out a better route for you to have wholeness and well-being and um, mental clarity and peace. So we ask people to help us help them, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, taking those steps, those baby steps, those half steps. And one of the things uh, that you mentioned was just letting, grasping the fact that you're worthy, you're valuable. Mm-hmm. Getting that to sink in, because we're talking about perceptions and perspectives and different things that have been changed and, you know, they're not thinking that anymore. Mm -hmm. So that takes time. It takes so, it takes time. You know, everybody's route is so different. 
but it takes time where you can work. So let me go back a little bit to what we talk about in terms of trauma recovery. Mm-hmm. And there's three basic steps. And like I said before, in those steps, um, there's a lot of nuances and changes that can happen. Pauses and starts and restarts and uh, so much information that it's overwhelming. Uh, so we have to slow down the process yeah. of processing, right? And so the first step is always safety and stabilization, allowing the person to understand um, specifically for survivors of human trafficking. Um, I'm no longer involved in the actual act of trafficking. And so now I'm safe. Working through and understanding mentally and physically of being safe now when I close my eyes at night and it feels like I'm still in it, or I'm walking down the street, or I see someone, or I taste something, or I smell something, all the senses, Mm -hmm. going back to your wiring question, Mm -hmm. going back to how we're wired. Our memory and our brain is phenomenal. Yeah. So if I'm robbed on a certain street 20 years ago, every time, walking, every time I drive down the street, my body will remind me of that incident. This is where it happened. And the fear. Yeah. That's the delicious wiring. We get to remember grandma's hands and her sweet potato pie smell, just like we get to remember being robbed on a certain street. And so establishing um, an understanding of safety for survivors of trafficking is a process. Right. And so safety and stabilization look like uh, time allowed to get used to the newness and stabilization, which can uh, be impacted by understanding self-care, safe coping norms, Mm -hmm. um, understanding who our supports are. So I can have a beautiful husband and four kids who love me and adore me, but might not understand my need for safety and stabilization because they think that I have it already. Right. Um, so I need to survive, surround myself with loved ones and ask for patience in the process, but also a group of people who get it. Yeah. You know, a therapist, a, a support group. Right. Other survivors. Um, and the, the second step is about remembrance and mourning. And what do people mourn? Some survivors mourn the security they used to have. Some folks are mourning something they never even had. Wow. Ever. Explain that. If I'm robbed in my home tomorrow, um, there will be a process where I I would have to go through the steps, because that's traumatic, Mm -hmm. um, of figuring out my own safety and stabilization. Um, And once that's established, maybe I got ADT or the police are outside or I I got a big dog. I don't know. And I work on ways to cope, locking the doors, checking my environment, Mm -hmm. praying, meditating. Mm -hmm. I don't know, whatever you you implement. Um, The second part of healing from trauma in remembrance and mourning, I could be mourning the safety that I felt prior to the incident. Yeah. And boy, is that a painful part. 
mm-hmm. to mourn, love, mm. connection. A time when you knew who you were. Maybe prior to trafficking, I was a different girl. And I remember. And I remember her and I miss her and I want her. Um, You just mourn and you remember what it is you want and you need. Mm -hmm. And that can be really, really, really scary for folks. Yeah. Really. And and all of this, Beverly, um, can take time and it's, Time looks different for everyone. Sometimes we're revisiting because oftentimes uh, a lot of survivors that I work with, um, we establish the first part, maybe safety and stabilization. We're moving slowly on to remembering and mourning. So in the remembering part is the processing. What happened to me and why? So when I'm remembering and mourning, I'm processing how I got here, why I need help. Why didn't this person, that person, that person help me? Why did this person allow this to happen? Why was this person so mean? Why was this person so evil? Why did I say yes? Why did I say no? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I run south instead of north? I don't know. But the processing, that's your work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's an exercise of an allowance. Right. And things pop up at that time. And it's like that tape recorder is just going in your head, in your head, and those questions, mm-hmm. you know. You're and trying then to sometimes brush- you get to a point where you feel okay. Right. I'm doing great work. And then another traumatic event happens. And you're back in that loop? Right back. Wow. You have some tools. You mm-hmm. feel a little stronger sometimes. But I often work with survivors that are getting slapped with traumatic events so often that all we work on is safety and stabilization. We can't even get to step two. Wow. Lots of times for survivors of human trafficking. Because, you know, one of the questions will be, well, how long will it take? I never answer that. (laughs) I can't. Right. (laughs) First of all, not all knowing. Right. And it takes however long it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And then that might look like back and forth, round and around. It's never linear. I I do say that. Mm -hmm. It's never linear, the approach to healing. Right. And I don't believe there's an end date. That's my personal view, though. Yeah. I don't want to stop healing. Right. Me either. I want to continue on and and it look as great as it can. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, man. And I can see... That the the circle, you know, you, you're going and things are going well. You get a setback. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of regroup. Mm-hmm. But that third time when you get that setback, it could look a little different. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you are able to rebound sure. a little quicker. Sure. So that's celebration right sure. there, you sure. know? Sure, Baby steps. Yes. And it's beautiful when you see someone connect to the fact that it's baby steps, it's slow, it's their route, mm-hmm. and they can have a little victory here and there. Yeah. Well, look, this is what happened to me today, and, and this is how I got through this, or this is how I handled this. You know, Oftentimes, survivors are geeked and excited about healing. And as they're healing, they want to bring others along, mm-hmm. other survivors, other friends, other loved ones. And it makes sense. 
but it's a lot to carry when you're trying to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Are you saying that they want to bring the others along? They want to help them. Sure. You're helping them, and, mm-hmm. and they want to help personally their friends yes. based on how you help yes. them. Oftentimes. Oh, wow. Okay. Oftentimes. That is a lot. They want everybody to feel that good. <laughs> yeah. Know? They want everybody to feel like I have a voice now. I can fight back. Yeah. I'm not alone. We can get out of this. We can be whole. We can be healthy. And it's like um, I just want to ring the alarm for everybody. And that's delicious. I get it. I get the enthusiasm. Um, But if you're helping people get there and you're not fully evolved in your own work, um, a lot of times it could be for not. Mm -hmm. You're just not quite ready to carry the load of others as well. Um, and any setback that the others can go through can then subsequently affect you, you. Yeah. in a way that you feel like you've let someone down mm-hmm. or you didn't give them the proper tools or you didn't help them. And it's like, slow your road. You got so much to do just for you. Allow them, you know, and it's good to share information, mm-hmm. but allow them to work with a professional. Right. Right. And I know a lot of clinicians in the community, we press, we push that. Work with professionals to heal. Yeah. And that friend can see. You can be that example mm. of someone in the process of healing. Mm. They can see they the can work see that you. you're doing. And you can encourage them Yeah, in that, yeah. in your journey. As I heal, I will be attractive to others. But I still should say, how about you consult a, a, a clinician? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you work with it? And we do that in every other area, the medical field. Right. We're not work, walking around trying to fix old people medically. Right. You know what I mean? So it's it's something that we have to remember, too, culturally about emotional healing. And with all the, the social media and all the positive sayings and the positive means and the we all can have that, you know, it's a phenomenal time to be alive when there's encouragement everywhere. Right. But it also sometimes waters down the amount of work it takes to unwire and rewire. Mm -hmm. The circuitry, the um, release of hormones that happens during traumatic events is such a part of the life of a survivor. You know, the release of toxins and things that happen um, because that's what I've known so long. So my body has normalized abnormal events. Yeah. It has normalized it. So trying to get folks to release that, and that's all they've known. It's like me saying to you, Beverly, we're going to have a conversation in German right now. (laughs) What? Yeah. From where? What am I going to do with that? Uh, Yeah. Right? And so asking someone to immediately just rewire and heal. I don't want us to forget that it is a phenomenal time to utilize positive self-talk and positive emotional um, sayings and quotes. We need to encourage each other that way. I'm Mm -hmm. not negating that. But it's another thing to think that that is going to carry you through a healing journey. Right, right. In simplest form, we're far more complex than Absolutely. a quote. 
Absolutely. We're far more complex than that. And we read that sweet little quote and think, that's good. I got and walk away mm-hmm. and forget all about it. Mm-hmm. It is the processing of the quote. And it's the processing of the words and how they can impact my life. It's going to take more than daily quotes. Right. Simone Kilgore is her name. She is a trauma therapist. And we have ended this podcast. Went fast. There's still so much to talk about that we are going to come back for part two. So I hope that you will join us for part two because we want to go into more on the, the steps of healing from trauma. Take them step by step by step and what that looks like and uh, get her to explain that a little bit more. I hope you're getting a lot from this because I know I am. And um, the trauma piece is just huge. It's huge. Whether you are a sex trafficker trafficking survivor or the child of a divorced parents or you know you've been in a terrible accident and you know different things have happened to your body whatever it that trauma might be this is important for all of us this is the 411 live real people real talk Um, we again are focused on sex trafficking human trafficking we are a nonprofit organization, so if you would like to help us to continue to do what we are doing, spreading the awareness, go to our website, the411live.org, and we would greatly appreciate your contributions. We are um, all over the place. iHeartRadio podcast, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Uh, you can see some of our past episodes, and we invite you to do that. But for now. I am Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk.